0: You're listening to the Sans Pants Network.
1: Home of comedy,
0: culture, <laughs> adventures,
1: and ghosts. dies tonight. We are here. We are out in the streets. We have been watching movies about teenagers getting spooked the fuck out of them. And it's time for it to end. We can't go on like this, Alexi.
0: We cannot, Cameron.
1: Screamagers must die tonight. Screamages dies tonight. Enough is enough. It's time for us to band together and put an end to this miniseries.
0: We have to.
1: Welcome to Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies that also opens with a fun little sketch now, sometimes.
0: Sometimes we kind of do a little half-in, half-out sketch, half asked, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of fun doing this mini miniseries. Um,
1: you know, we've been tapping into some really cool stuff, I think. Last time mm. around... When we discussed teen cinema, we were talking about all the things that define the coming of age genre, the kind of like virginity, the peer pressure, the yep. relationship with parents. And this time yes, so all the scariest stuff in the world. The scariest <laughs> shit that can happen for a real life <laughs> person. But this time, these Scream Ages movies, we've taken those exact same elements mm-hmm. and added
0: a little dose of spooks. We've added some spooks and we're a couple of kooks and we are extremely, I'm just scared. Couldn't think of another rhyme. (laughs) Extremely scared to rhyme. Yes, we're scared (laughs) to rhyme because if you rhyme too many times, that will attract leprechaun perhaps. Freddie probably likes a rhyme or two. These creepy dudes love the rhymes. The
1: Candyman definitely loves a rhyme, I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He loves them. He loves a rhyme.
1: (laughs) Thank God this guy doesn't like a rhyme, though. We are talking today about one of the scariest fellas who's ever had a name that's similar to a cast member from SNL. Wow. We're talking, of course, about Michael Myers in the
0: film Halloween Kills. The Shape himself, it's very fitting that we close out the miniseries on, I guess, the continued reimagining of maybe the most iconic teen horror film franchise of all time, Halloween from the great John Carpenter, the Master of Fear himself. Oh, well, that's right. And this movie's a great one for us to do as well,
1: because not only is it a sequel which mm-hmm. we love to talk about.
0: Oh, God, we love to discuss sequels here. And it's been a minute since we've done it. It's been
1: a long time, actually, since we've really dug our nails and bit mm. into a sequel. But uh, not only is it a sequel, it's technically, I think, the 12th or the 11th uh, oh one in a franchise.
0: It's so hard to- This is maybe <laughs> the franchise... That's the hardest to keep track of. I know, I know. People accuse Fast and Furious of being it. No (laughs) way, dude. This shit is way crazier. There's like six films in this franchise just called Halloween. I know. Oh, okay. Well, you look, we may as well unpack it for the people who are listening
1: at home and aren't too familiar with the Halloween chronology. And to our new listeners who are just tuning in Mm -hmm. to hear us talk about Halloween Kills, I think it's important to tell you all where this film sits. Within the chronology of the 12 or so movies. So, yeah. where does this all begin, Alexi? It begins in
0: 1978 yes. with a film. In hmm That's right. Fictional Haddonfields. Haddonfield, Illinois. Actually, filmed in Los Angeles That's with true. palm trees everywhere. That's true. And uh,
1: painted leaves to make it look like fall.
0: Mm -hmm. And that is Halloween 1978, directed by John Carpenter, written by him and Deborah Hill That's right, and then that was
1: kind of almost immediately followed by a sequel, 1981, Halloween 2 This Mm -hmm. time around, there was a little bit of a plot twist Okay, so in the first one, our final girl, Laurie Strode, she survives the shape In Halloween 2, it picks up on the same night
0: Seconds when the first film ends Seconds Seconds later
1: It's a great way to start a sequel
0: Gorgeous Our favourite song starts playing at the top
1: What's our favourite song?
0: Boom, 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 boom. Mr. Sandwich, bring me some meat And put it between two slices of whole grain wheat Mr. Sandwich, bring me some meat Mr. Sandwich,
1: I shall eat I really hate to be the one to tell you this, Alexi, but it's not called Mr. Sandwich it's called Mr. Sandman, and it was written ah, about okay. Adam Sandler. So, <laughs>
0: Sorry. On the day of his birth, <laughs> they wrote the most beautiful song <laughs> in the world.
1: All right, so Halloween <laughs> 2 picks up seconds after Halloween 1, and it uh, follows Laurie Strode again. This time around... We find out that Laurie
0: Strode is the brother of... Sorry, the sister of Michael Myers? <laughs> and also, the whole movie, she's kind of trapped in hospital as like a secondary character.
1: That's true. She's barely Now, isn't
0: in that interesting that they made a movie that starts seconds after Halloween ends, and then... Laurie Strode's in hospital the whole time.
1: That's so interesting. That is really interesting. Put a pin in that. That might come back later. Then what John Carpenter, as the custodian of this franchise, wanted to Mm -hmm. do was (laughs) he thought, you know what would be cool? Is if instead of making movies about Michael Myers, Halloween becomes an anthology series. Yeah. And every year or every couple of years, we put out a new one under the title Halloween. And it's about a different type of spooky fucking thing that's happening on that evening. And that is where Halloween 3, Season of the Witch comes in, which is not
0: about a witch, weirdly. No, it's kind of about like... Irish pod people in America is (laughs) kind of it. (laughs) And if uh, if memory serves me correct, the entire evil plan of this movie is there's a uh, kind of Interesting warlock type figure yep. who owns a toy and mask factory. Yeah, whose dream silver to- shamrock. By the way, it's silver, silver, yeah, silver, silver shamrock, shamrock masks. That's our other favorite song. Is the silver shamrock? Jingle.
1: Yeah, the silver shamrock masks are the most famous masks in the world. In this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: In the, the world of Halloween. Kids way. go psycho <laughs> for the silver shamrock masks. Oh they God. love them. So the warlock, his master plan is... He's going to get masks uh, that are like a pumpkin head, a witch head... And a skull. And I believe a skull head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say skeleton <laughs> head. <laughs> and he gets a skeleton head mask. And kids are like, we got to get these freaking masks. And then the dastardly thing is... If they watch the Silver Shamrock commercial on Halloween while wearing the mask, their head will turn into snakes and worms.
1: Yeah, and I think also from memory there's not magic involved in the masks. He's got yeah. some he's put some like microchip in there that does it. Yes,
0: it's a microchip that turns your head into worms and snakes. It's some of the most (laughs) incredible technology ever made. It's
1: one of the most batshit insane movies I've ever seen. And also in that movie, they're watching the movie Halloween.
0: So this is the one set in reality and the one about a guy wandering around killing people. That's fake. That's That's phony
1: baloney, but (laughs) but Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, that's our universe.
0: That's set in freaking reality, dude. (laughs)
1: Uh, That movie tanked, and so they went back to the well and decided from now on, it's only going to be about Michael Myers. And then after that, you've got Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. That's where Michael Myers comes back. Yep.
0: Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers- that's where Michael Myers takes a little bit back for himself. Uh, yeah, he
1: says, you know what? Um, you guys have been having it too good for too long. It's time for me <laughs> to get a little slice of the action. You guys have been mean to me. <laughs> I'm going to get back. And then there's Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. which yes. Do you remember what that one's about?
0: Yes, that's um Paul Rudd's in it.
1: Paul Rudd is in that one playing Tommy Doyle, a child survivor from the first one.
0: My and, favorite character in the whole franchise. That's
1: true. And uh, in this one, you find out that Michael Myers is the way he is because a bunch of druids yeah. um have been like using him in their ancient evil rituals.
0: Yeah, yeah. and that's that's tough to find out about poor Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is really hard to find out. like how far we've come from Haddonfield, Illinois. you know, we end up yeah. in some ancient druidic ritual. But...
0: To hear the word druid in a movie is an absolute shift in everything you could ever know. <laughs> That's
1: true. <laughs> if Now, if they mentioned the word druid in Halloween see- 3,
0: Season of the Witch, I'd be totally yeah. fine with that. Nary and scant mention of druids or their dark arts in Halloween Season of the Witch. Only about microchips, believe it or not. And then, after that, they go, you know what? We've
1: come too far. We've crossed mm. the fucking... Threshold we have jumped the shark We need to take this season This series back to its Goddamn basics let's Mm -hmm. make One called Halloween H20 20 Years later blood is thicker Than water and one of
0: the most Gorgeous film titles of all time
1: (laughs) And we'll get Jamie Lee Curtis Back to play Laurie Strode and you Know what let's ignore Everything that happened after Halloween 2 so in the Continuity of H20 We only need to think about Halloween, Halloween 2, and then 20 years later, H2O happens. Um, And
0: you just have to think about Josh Hartnett from henceforth.
1: Yeah, so from now on, Laurie, she's got a different name. She has a very handsome son Mm -hmm. called Josh Hartnett. And he's um, he's dating one of the Dawson's Creek babes.
0: Yes, Michelle Williams, Michelle right?
1: Williams, and then you've got Alan Parrish from Jumanji running around in there as we well. We
0: love little Alan Parrish. And
1: uh, I think, I don't know, there's a bunch of other motherfuckers in there as well. LL! LL? Ladies love Cool James?
0: Yes, and they must love Halloween H20, 20 years later, blood is thicker than water, because they've got... LL Cool J in there.
1: LL Cool J, that's right. He rules, he rocks. That was a great Mm -hmm. era in uh, cinema where you'd get LL and you know, you got them silver screen every now and then. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, you know, you got Charlie's Angels popping off around this time. He is in there in a cameo role as well. And
1: what's that one that's the Meg but not the Meg? Uh,
0: Oh, of course. Deep Blue Sea. Uh, Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, where they
1: make. Where they have been genetically engineering sharks to help cure yeah. cancer.
0: God. The motion pictures really loved Cool James at that <laughs> point, Colin. All right. Okay. So that's like, that's kind of
1: resetting it and saying, ignore yep. all the previous shit. This is all you need to care about now. Um, a year and a bit later, they put out Halloween Resurrection, which mm. continues that chronology. And tragically, Laurie Strode does pass away.
0: She gets chucked out a freaking window by Michael. She
1: gets killed. By the way, we've also in one of the early ones they kill her off screen. I can't remember which one, four or five. I think four. Yeah, I think four. They kill her off screen. Anyway, so she.
0: The awesome if in Halloween (laughs) three season of the witch you just see her die on TV during the movie playing. (laughs) That's how they kill her off. (laughs) Uh,
1: Halloween Resurrection is. I watched it recently. It's it's fucking mental.
0: It is a blast and a half. Let me tell you that, brother. It is. I would reckon very highly in my Halloween movie uh, franchise picks. I think it is real fun. Huge recommendation Uh, from me. I mean, it's it's like
1: awful if you if you're actually looking for a good film. Um, I'm not gonna. Go somewhere s- else, I'm not so. gonna say this is it. <laughs> yeah, go go to the freaking cinema. Go watch a goddamn yeah.
0: flick. Don't yeah, j- yeah. Go check out whatever Ridley Scott's up to these days because you're only gonna get a good movie in the- most of this franchise. <laughs> but this one is a fun
1: film. It's a blast mm. to put on. Well, you, I want you to explain the premise of this movie to our listeners.
0: So it's been a few years since I've watched it, but this <laughs> is the best to my recollection. Mm-hmm. So, Michael Myers has been a killer for a few years. He did the H2O stuff. He goes and kills Laurie Strode in, like, a hospital. Meanwhile, Tyra Banks and Buster Rhymes have bought the Myers house (laughs) that he grew up in, Mm -hmm. and they have set up cameras around it, like the Big Brother house, (laughs) and they have got a live streaming web show uh, that is a Halloween night at the Myers house, and it's a reality TV show where they've programmed, uh, they've got uh, a a Michael Myers-esque Actor Wearing the suit and mask Pretending to kill actors and people in the show But then, because it's actually Halloween Michael Myers wants to go home The shape returns home Yeah, that's exactly it And it's it's great because Not only do you get
1: that Big um, Mm Brother-esque found footage element But you also get to see all around the country on the same night Everyone glued to their fucking laptops watching this Shit happened live.
0: It's as if Nadia was derobing in Jim's room. <laughs> exactly. American teens are glued to their webcam computers looking what happening on the screen. And in one of the Halloween parties that we crossed to, it is the first time we see Mike Cool Myers meet Mike. Cool, baby, Myers. (laughs) Because there is a teenager dressed as Austin Powers at one of the parties.
1: Yes, it's a cheeky little nod to the fact that they have similar names.
0: They're similar names, and they're finally the Halloween films are living in a Mike Myers America. He is probably the biggest movie star in the world at the time that this film is coming out. 2002. Oh my God, this is Prime Mike era. Mhm. you bet we're talking spy who shagged me has mm. already popped off gold member is happening right now
1: oh my god yeah gold member is about to drop and america is about to stop and say this guy is one of the greats this guy has to get the keys to hollywood we'll let mm-hmm. him do whatever he wants from now on and then mike yeah. will take those keys and open up the love guru factory yeah. and america will say we were wrong
0: That is the problem. If you watch the love guru wearing a mask, your head turns into snakes and worms, unfortunately. (laughs) But
1: that is not magic. That is uh, microchip
0: technology. It's microchip.
1: Halloween Resurrection, by the way, also as a side note, directed by Rick Rosenthal, who directed Halloween 2, and hasn't done much else, yeah, which is crazy. To have like a 20-year gap in your CV and then come back and make the big brother version of Halloween. It's mental.
0: (laughs) That's a dream career for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, that movie doesn't do well critically, although I think it's a lot of fun. If you ever want to watch Buster Rhymes kick the shit out of Michael Myers, <laughs> it's worth that, watching.
0: It's awesome that for tw- like, you know, 20 years, canonically Michael Myers was killed by Buster Rhymes fucking Timberland boots smashing his face apart.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Like, nothing has been able to stop him, but it just makes me think there must have been something in Buster's contract. Yeah. that said, oh, I need to be able to kick Michael <laughs> Myers' ass or I won't do the
0: movie. And I'm the one that gets to kill him. And
1: they bowed down to that, which is crazy.
0: It, it works for me. Like, absolutely yeah. works. Oh, it, it totally took
1: me by surprise. After watching, yeah, 20 years of this franchise, it totally took me by surprise. <laughs> I loved it. Okay, but it stinks. People hate it. They think it sucks. Halloween resurrection, suck my erection. You suck. You
0: stink. You're not good. <laughs> So they put it to bed. Five years later, they've put it to bed, but it wakes up. That's right. What happens five years later, Alexi? A director known by the name of Sir Robert Zombie comes around Mm -hmm. and he has an idea to bring Michael Myers back. Back to the modern day. So we set in the 1990s at the top of the movie. We see a young Michael Myers get the... the, He's absolutely... Feelings hurt by some bullies real badly. And it's set in a world where William Forsyth is Michael Myers' stepfather. One of the slimiest actors to ever (laughs) slither their way onto the silver screen. William Forsyth. I love William Forsyth. Oh, he's so slimy. He's disgusting. (laughs) He's one of the most disgusting things a camera's ever been pointed at, and I absolutely love it. And that that movie is called called... Halloween. (laughs) Okay, all right. So that movie's called Halloween,
1: and it's a reboot. And then there's Halloween 2, also directed by Rob Zombie, but not a remake of Halloween 2, directed by Rick Rosenthal.
0: No, he goes way out there, completely different. I really like Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 because it is a wild choice and he makes some great decisions in it. And I think these are the only movies I've ever seen by Robert Zombie and I quite liked them. Mm. I think they're pretty cool and I love Loomis in them, played by...
1: Malcolm McDowell. Mm. And in
0: Halloween 2,
1: have you seen it? No, I haven't seen... uh, I've seen Halloween 2 directed by Rick Rosenthal. I haven't seen Halloween 2 directed by Robert Zombie.
0: Well, here is something that I remember from it. I think I'm kind of, if not 100% accurate, close to. But um, Dr. Loomis becomes like a celebrity for his work with like talking about Michael Myers. And he does a Tonight Show... Um, hosted by Weird Al Yankovic. And then Weird Al is like, whoa, Michael Myers. You mean the guy from What's the Powers?
1: Oh, my God. So, hang on. In this, in this universe, Mike Myers also exists.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, you know, the movie, when it's Michael Myers as a kid getting bullied, it's in the early 90s. Mike Myers is the king of SNL. They should be going like, oh, party on, loser, party on, when they're bullying him. <laughs> To make it more accurate, do you think they named
1: him after Mike Myers in the Rob no, Zombie no, no. chronology?
0: They're, unless they're like huge fans of like Canadian TV commercials <laughs> and stuff, <What? laughs> or like you know they they love like the little music program that he premiered Wayne on in like late eighties Canada. <laughs> okay,
1: but here, let's get back on track because in 2018, nearly a decade after Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. The the Michael Myers itch needs another scratch, and uh, Mm -hmm. David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and Jason Blum. David Gordon Green,
0: known as the Terrence Malick of the indie film scene of the 2000s.
1: That's true. Uh, Danny McBride, a.k.a. Kenny Powers, no relation to Austin, and Jason Blum from Blumhouse. They say, we're going to make a Halloween sequel, but... It's going to ignore everything that happens after the first Halloween from 1978. So ignore all of that stuff and uh, we'll bring uh, Jamie Lee Curtis back playing Laurie Strode. And I know, yes, technically we did do all of this in Halloween H2O, uh, Blood is Thick in the Mortar, but we're doing it again and this time her hair's longer and grayer. Her
0: hair's going to be long. Her hair's going to be long. It's going to be great. She's going to be older than you've ever seen her before. That's true. And guess what? What? It's just going to be called Halloween once again.
1: That's right. So it's a sequel to Halloween, but it's called Halloween.
0: And it's not to be confused with Rob Zombie's movie Halloween. It's actually got absolutely but squat to do with that.
1: Yeah, it's got nothing to do with that. And I don't think exists in the reality where Halloween is being watched on TV in Halloween 3 season of The Witch. No,
0: no, no, no. It's... I can't wait for Halloween 3 season of The Witch to be a new movie that comes out soon <laughs> Yeah. and you get to see all of this happening on screen.
1: Yeah, so this is uh, It's the continuation from the first one. It's called Halloween. It's a sequel to Halloween. And uh, Laurie Strode's in it again. This time, she's got a daughter and her daughter's got a daughter. That's right. Babies be having babies out in here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Judy Greer, what are you doing You <clears throat> have a baby? You're That's irresponsible. Young. You're too young to have a baby, young Judy Greer.
1: character actor, Judy Greer. And now we are at Halloween Kills, which is the sequel to Halloween, which is the sequel to Halloween, which is mm-hmm. the second part of the new Halloween trilogy, which will end with Halloween Ends.
0: And it is also a trilogy of four films, including the original 1978 Halloween, but it is being marketed as a trilogy nonetheless.
1: But anyway, that's the Halloween chronology, and we're currently up to Halloween Kills, and I hope that was clear for all of you and makes sense and you feel relaxed and calm and not psycho and fucked in the head.
0: Yes, hopefully you have chilled out from this nice, lively discussion on what the franchise even is. Because a lot of people could hear all this information and feel overwhelmed and stressed out. But But we have delivered it to you in a way that would soothe you.
1: But to say all of it simply, it's a sequel to Halloween. Which is a sequel to Halloween.
0: sequel to Halloween. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the Rob Zombie movie. No, no,
1: no, the John Carpenter one.
0: Okay, do you need me to go through it again? (laughs) What about Halloween 2?
1: No, 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 we ignore Halloween 2.
0: Okay, so Laurie's not the sister
1: is not the sister, that's just something that people made up
0: God damn, And what's Buster's role in this
1: Buster's whole thing? Buster's not in... Th- Alexi, we you paying attention to anything? <laughs> I got a big question for you Do the ladies love Cool James or not in this franchise? Cool James gets zero love in this franchise oh. But there oh. is a lot to love about this franchise And I think we should dive right in and talk about Halloween Kills My grandmother was right the boogeyman was real
0: it's over we can't hurt anyone ever again no one told you told me what somebody in there michael Myers is
1: alive stop you had a knife in your stomach you and allison Should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. Halloween Kills by David Gordon Green, October 15, 2021. Now, it's time for us to get to one of our most famous segments. For all our new listeners out there, this is something that you'll soon realize is one of the great podcast segments of all time. It's a Mm -hmm. segment called Love That Logline, where Alexi has found a synopsis from somewhere on the internet. He'll read it out to me, and I'll decide whether I rate it or whether I hate it.
0: This one comes from Letterboxd.com. The nightmare isn't over as unstoppable killer Michael Myers escapes from Laurie Strode's trap to continue his ritual bloodbath. Injured and taken to the hospital, Laurie fights through the pain as she inspires residents of Haddonfield, Illinois to rise up against Myers, taking matters into their own hands. The Strode women and other survivors form a vigilante mob to hunt down Michael and end his reign of terror once and once.
1: I'll, I rate it I think that's good
0: I rate it It's a little The little inaccuracies Are just to get the point across I would say That's yeah, a good little yeah. logline right there
1: That's artistic license Um. Now You We saw it not together No This was my first trip Back to the cinema
0: Congratulations Cameron The cinema welcomes you back With it's gorgeous silver screen Enveloping you in it's warm glow
1: It was really great I had a chock top um, I wow. sat next to the lucky lady herself And uh, wow. bought her a chock top as well Wow
0: You gotta ask her one day What she thinks about Cool
1: James I know what the answer will be Because she calls me Cool James What? Because my name is Cameron James <laughs> LL Cameron James LL Cameron James <laughs> <laughs> the ladies love Cameron James. So, uh, yeah, we, it was our first trip back to the cinema. I had a great time sitting down in the <laughs> seats, watching the trailers unfurl before my very eyes, seeing ads for local businesses. Oh,
0: God, I've been worried about what my local
1: pharmacists <laughs> and real estate agents have been up to. Now, I had heard uh, n- mixed critical reception i haven't read any Mm. reviews but i'd seen a few glimpses on twitter before i went into the cinema um and that was worrying but i wanted to go in with an open mind and i wanted to go in with the express purpose of enjoying myself and i'll tell you right now i freaking loved it wow okay great i really really enjoyed it i had so much fun and and it's like on the most base, pure, like childlike level mm. in my brain. All I need is to see that cool ass Halloween font. Yep. See a freaking pumpkin on the screen and yeah,
0: doing something if it's decomposing yeah, or flying around, or flying whatever it's around. Doing, I
1: love it. And hearing John Carpenter's like music, hearing that original theme, mm. and I'm already like happy that I paid for the ticket. So yeah. anything else is a bonus, and to get. You know, really cool cinematography and great acting, great casting. It's a bonus on top of that shit. So my natural first instinct is that I fucking love this movie. Now, you seem a little more hesitant.
0: I think I am. Because, like you said, there was a kind of overwhelming negativity coming out. Uh, there were some people that loved it, some people I follow really enjoying the movie, but then also a lot of people... I remember thinking, I see uh, Drew McQueenie, great uh, film mind in the United States of America, or the United States of Tara, depending who you look after. Mm-hmm. And okay, I look at Diablo Cody. That's why I call it the United States of Tara these <laughs> days. But... He, was, he said a quote that <clears throat> Halloween Kills has as much in common with the original Halloween that the new James Bond movie has with Goldfinger. So I was like, that was in my head a little bit going in, like, what does that mean? And I think... You brought up something interesting. What do you need from a Halloween movie? And you kind of hit all the boxes that I need as well. So when I went into this film with that kind of in mind, I think it tempered my expectations just to the right amount to be accepting of whatever would happen and find anything interesting. So I think it is an interesting sequel. I think where I'm kind of stuck... ...is in a very formal structural choice this film makes... ...in that it is completely separate to any other film in this franchise... ...and perhaps any real slasher film... ...in that this film has no protagonists... And I think that is probably the thing that most people must be struggling with, right? Because it's mm-hmm. such a divergence from what we know this franchise to be, and how we kind of accept this genre genre in any kind of way as well.
1: I hear what you're saying. I've definitely since read people say a lot of the that criticism. You know, it's um. I don't want to spoil too much, but I will say that Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character much like in Halloween 2, the original Mm. does spend most of this film in hospital, in a hospital bed, um, you know, minutes after the original ends and she doesn't come face-to-face with the shape at all. Mm. I am okay with that because Halloween, 1978, that's all about her versus the shape, you know? Halloween 2018 is about... The ongoing after effects of that trauma And how that's Mm -hmm. manifested in family How you pass trauma down through the family And if you're lucky enough You can all bond together through that trauma to overcome it So I don't even I wouldn't even necessarily say there's a protagonist to Halloween 2018 There's just Mm -hmm. three women who come together uh, To fight the shape, right? Mm. This one is about how trauma affects a town or a community. And by natural extension, the community are the protagonists. Haddonfield literally is the protagonist. We meet new people. We meet legacy characters. We get, you know, characters that have been in previous sequels and in the immediate David Gordon Green one. They all get given equal opportunity to step up and be the hero in certain moments And I was totally okay with that because it felt fucking fresh. It didn't feel like I was watching um, Michael chase a final girl for an hour Mm. and a half. Like it was fun to watch the town step up and get their moments of having a hero's arc.
0: I think I agree with you because I appreciate the freshness of it. I appreciate the continuation of that element of the thematic growth of this franchise. I think the difficulty is for me without like a lead protagonist, with it being kind of like such a mixed cast of townsfolk and stuff. There, I didn't really feel the danger as much in. Like, the kills are absolutely grisly. They're Mm. grisly and nasty kills. Michael Myers is still a formidable antagonist, but I think without, like, having an anchor in this film in an actual protagonist, you know, Judy Greer is probably the closest we have, Mm. but she's still almost, like, a passive character compared to, like, the active characters of, like, Anthony Michael Hall and so many of the other townsfolk. And... It's kind of a shared film between Judy Greer's character of Laurie's daughter and Will Patton as mm. Officer Hawkins, who it's almost his trauma that we're reliving in this film, quite literally by seeing him on the night of the original 1978 Halloween uh, when he had the choice or he had the opportunity to stop Michael Myers, but he didn't. it didn't work out. Mm. Um, and I think that's what I found most interesting and satisfying is that Will Patton... Uh, storyline of uh, Officer Hawkins and going back and seeing Thomas Mann as young Officer Hawkins, like when he's just starting out in the in the force. I think those are the things I really enjoyed was like seeing the original Halloween from a different perspective. Sometimes a top town view of Dr. Loomis's head. I really enjoyed that because Dr. Loomis is my favorite character in this entire franchise. And I feel like there were points where this movie was missing that Loomis touch. Like in... The Halloween from a couple of years ago, twenty eighteen, uh, we had that. We had that strange doctor that frees yeah. Michael, Doctor Satine. Kind of yeah, Doctor Satane. He was kind of the Loomis esque character, but then eventually you realise Lori Strode, when she's running around with a revolver, screaming "Get inside!" Oh, she's Loomis now. Yeah, yeah. And I think there were moments where I really wanted a more of a Loomis character. So when we go back to the seventies, and we've got the Loomis, and it is freaking Donald Pleasance. Those are the moments where I really got excited about this film. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, it's not really Donald Pleasance, but it's um,
0: it looks exactly like it.
1: Have you seen the fucking makeup? It's amazing. It's a guy in prosthetics. Because I was wondering that in the in Halloween yeah, shit. in Halloween 2018, you hear uh, tapes of Doctor Loomis that Doctor Sutain is playing, and it sounds exactly like Donald Pleasance, and I just assumed mm. it was some shit that From didn't the movie make the cut. Yeah. But it's a sound-alike that they used. And so this time around, when, you know, we are, when we cut back to the 70s and you sort of see Dr. Loomis from behind, I'm like, oh yeah, they'll just do the same thing. We'll see him from behind or in shadows and they'll use that sound-alike again. But then we get a fucking front-on shot of his face. And I was kind of in the cinema, I was thinking... Okay, well deep fake technology has gone way too far because yeah. this is crazy. This is either deep fake or they've found some old footage from Halloween that was never used and spliced it mm. in here. But it's a fucking wonderful prosthetic job by the guy. That's insane. You should look it up. I'll um I'll send you the link. Yeah. I might even put it in the show notes. Um I found yeah, the please. guy's Instagram, the guy that does the makeup for this movie. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. But um It's just some dude, some crew member of theirs who kind of looks like Donald Pleasance.
0: What the hell? Yeah,
1: like they put a side-by-side of what he's like beforehand. He's just a dude... Who looks like Donald Pleasance? He's not an actor. Just a round head, yeah, bald. round bald head, and then they just added um, the nose, the brows, and then obviously the hairline and mm. uh, and the like beard and shit. Holy and I shit! Swear it's to like God, magic. It looks fucking identical. Like it's it's magic, right? That's fucking movie magic, right there. The the goddamn practical effects of um, making a man yeah. look like a a different bald man. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Hey, what did you think about the 1978 flashback sequences with Thomas Mann as a young Officer Hawkins and Jim Cummings as, like, his kind of partner? Dude,
1: I fucking loved it. I, as soon as it started, and I knew that that's kind of the movie we're getting, um, you know, where it's got a little bit of that Godfather Part 2 to it, where we're seeing two concurrent stories taking place on the same night, 40 years apart, um... I was all in. I, I think it looks amazing. I don't know what yeah. it is with... um, David Gordon Green has that 70s vibe anyway. Like his... Uh, you and I are both big fans of his work. Mm. Uh, not just his films, but his work specifically with Danny McBride in TV. Eastbound mm. and Down, Vice Principals, The Righteous Gemstones. There's a real like 70s Texan vibe to his yeah. shooting anyway.
0: Um, he is very Terence Malickian uh, in Alikian. his early part of his career when he's doing uh, his independent film work before he becomes kind of like a genre master by going into comedy and now going into horror.
1: Yeah, the guy can do it all. And uh, I read a quick interview with him where he said that they consulted with the lighting department of the original and mm. the camera department of the original and of Halloween 2... And obviously Carpenter, you know, he had sort of oversees these movies uh, with Jason Blum. And they really got into the weeds of when to move the camera, how to move the camera, what mm. warmth to use with the lighting, uh, how to light the darkness of the suburbs, how yeah. to make it look a certain way. And I reckon it's, it's fucking incredibly accurate. It looks mm. as good as the original two. And, yeah. um, and for me, it's just kind of fun to watch, um, you know, evil take place four decades apart, kind of doing the mm. same thing. And plus I love Jim Cummings as well. I just think he's yeah. a sick presence on screen. I'm, I'm happy to see yeah. him pop up in this.
0: Seeing Jim Cummings in like a little small town police officer uniform, you're like, yeah, this makes sense to me. This works out well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Of course we know him from Thunder Road. He's a great filmmaker himself. And I think that's where I really like keyed into it. Like I really enjoyed these 70s reconstructions where we're kind of seeing like different angles on that fateful night of Halloween. And so there is almost like a rewriting of history, but it still feels very in line. And I think something that people have had trouble with, with this film in particular, this new sequel, is that the 2018 film strips the franchise bare apart from that original film to make a new statement, to go back to the reality of Michael Myers is just a man. And we lose like everything that the rest of the franchise has built in. This film almost feels at points like... Uh, kind of gourmet serving of all the sequels combined, including kids getting killed wearing the season of the witch masks. <laughs> um, and so I can kind of understand like why people feel this movie is too grisly and too unnecessary. But I don't know. Like, I think for me, for me, part of it, and why I can kind of empathize with those feelings as well, is that. Michael Myers in this franchise currently has one berserk night uh, in 1978 where he killed three teenagers.
1: Uh, uh, so technically he also had a berserk night in 1963 when he killed, he killed his sister and her boyfriend. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and he killed two teenagers. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's killed maybe seven teenagers max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and
1: which is a lot. <laughs> that's, that's a heck that's, of a lot. He's more than you or I.
0: Yeah, way more in fact.
1: Yeah, he's got his numbers are way bigger.
0: Yeah, they're about 50% more than we've killed. <laughs> Definitely. Minimum. Easy. I haven't done the math, but I'm guessing. Easy. But then they have he still is like this legendary horror figure in this franchise, this horror figure in reality. Mm. And Dr. Loomis has said that he's pure evil and he is like a demon spawn. Now he has become that again in a way that is bordering on supernatural of some kind is perhaps where this starts heading in the 1978 moments where he kind of is the shape he disappears and reappears which i think is all built into the original 70s movie Mm. as well Mm. where it is just an element of the film it's part of the cinematic language but then it's also creeps into the reality realm of that film as well so i think it's It's something that I actually think I come down on the side of really appreciating that this film eventually still evolves into the original Halloween saga, like what that is all about with Michael Myers being something beyond our typical human understanding.
1: Well, at the end of the day, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride are fans of all of the movies in the franchise, and they've gone on the record as saying they love they love 4, they love 5, they love 6, they love H2O. They mm. like the druid shit. Um, that's very up their alley. They're fans of that kind of high fantasy, bizarre horror shit. Um, they decided to strip this yeah. down to its barest They love high points. fantasy. They made... Have you seen
0: Your Highness? Yeah, man,
1: that's the most high fantasy that exists. Yeah, they made that, dude. And it's about being stoned and also it's a fantasy.
0: It's awesome. You see the Minotaur's penis. Yeah,
1: I hated it. <laughs> I hated that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: my least favourite movie of theirs. Yeah, absolutely. I really
1: hated it. I like pretty much all their
0: other stuff. Um,
1: so, I think that they drop a lot of that stuff in as little winks or elbow nudges to mm. the legacy of the movies and the fans that will come and see this having seen all the others. But also, they want to make... You know, like David Gordon Green isn't going to make a fucking straight horror movie. That's not, mm. he's not that filmmaker. He makes art films. He makes, yeah. everything he makes is a comment on something in the same way that, um, Steven Soderbergh never just makes a heist movie. It's a, a heist movie about, um, problem gambling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, a heist, it's a heist movie about finance, you know, or yeah. class or whatever. Um, And I think David Gordon Green is following in that John Carpenter Footstep of saying, we're making a horror movie that has a social point Mm. And we need to play within the elements of genre And sometimes there'll be elements of supernatural But don't focus on that I want you to focus on the fact that this is a story about America And where we're at currently So from what I understand, John Carpenter was inspired by the uh, civic rights movement and uh, women's rights movement when he made Halloween with Deborah Hill. Um, And obviously the 2018 one is a commentary on the Me Too movement in many ways. Mm. And I think you can't look at Halloween kills and not see the last five years of American political history playing out in front Mm. of you and that this is a commentary on police and law and mob mentality and I think...
0: Vigilantism.
1: Vigilantism and that's kind of what I... I'm more naturally inclined to focus on that. Mm. Um, and I loved that shit. What did you think about all the mob justice stuff in this movie?
0: Yeah, I thought... I really enjoyed it too. I think that it makes sense. Like this town has felt like... Kind of pitted against Michael Myers for a long time. I think some of the execution of it is really fascinating in how we follow like different little battalions of people trying to track down Michael Myers or protect the community against Michael Myers in a very full on uh, aggressive attack way rather than like it being defensive. I think that's really interesting seeing like the different types of people as well that are. Inspired to take the call, um, I think that's really interesting because it's not just like you know the the like Anthony Michael Hall playing Tommy Doyle, the original survivor of Halloween, who was the kid that Laurie was babysitting on that original night. Mm. Um, I think that they're not as there's so many different types of people in this cause that are not just like him, who is like an emboldened uh, white male survivor of the original franchise being like, now this strong aggressive guy with a purpose. There are other people in here that don't embody that at all. And I find that really interesting and I think his characterization is so key in like, you know, and the way that Anthony Michael Hall looks these days, mm. you know, it's so hard to reconcile who he is because, you know, you would think of him as the kid from mm. the breakfast club. You think of him as, yeah. you know, as a teen comedy staple. Rusty Griswold. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's how you picture him. And in the last like two decades or so where his career has been like a supporting actor, Uh, I often think of his work in The Dark Knight. I think he's Mm -hmm. fantastic in that movie. Yeah, I mean, he's an
1: antagonist in uh, Edward Scissorhands as well in the 80s or late 80s, early 90s, whatever that was. That's when he started to change.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's gone through this supreme change. (laughs) Yeah, And seeing him as like this kind of meaty, muscly, aggressive, really aggressive guy and i love the way that we introduced to him where he's basically uh at an open mic night don't stand there. He, he gets <laughs> up and just tells the sad story of 1978's halloween and it's like yeah man that's fucking real to me seeing seeing, <laughs> seeing a guy tell a very personal story on stage in a like barely populated room i'm like yeah i love that shit
1: i was all in from the, i thought that was a cool way to introduce him to Um, And to introduce all of the survivors, because that's kind of what this Mm. movie is about. It's about the different ways that uh, survivors of trauma react. And, you know, obviously Mm. you've got people like Tommy and Laurie who turn psychotic. (laughs) But then you've got people like Lonnie who've like retreated to drugs for the most part. Um, And uh, some of the other characters that just want to keep to themselves and are a bit more cautious and uh, and then the town reacts in different ways You know, Some of them want to hide And others want blood And they don't care whose blood it is They just want to end They want to put a face to the violence mm. And they want to see that face die And I think it leads to One of the most Probably controversial elements of the film But I loved it Because it was heartbreaking Which is that they attack the wrong guy There's another... Mm another man who escaped the bus um, with Michael and they assume that he is Michael and they yeah. attack him and it's it's horrifying it's like it's watching a watching a whole mob of people like hundreds of people descend mm. on an innocent man um, I think that's the statement of the movie right there like as it's happening you can't ignore that the statement is that fear and trauma can turn... Everybody into the monster And they mm. become evil And, you know Evil is contagious, essentially mm. I fucking loved that sequence And as it was happening My heart was breaking I thought, this is, this is a filmmaker making a horror movie This is great yeah. How often do yeah. you see that? The last time I felt something watching a Halloween movie Was when I watched Buster Rhymes Kick Michael Myers in the dick
0: Yeah <laughs> That was tragic as well
1: <laughs> In its own way <laughs> In its own way Yeah So the supernatural element Which we've danced around Where do you stand on this? Because obviously in the past They've explicitly stated That there is a supernatural element to Michael Mm. In this one it's a little more grounded But there's hints That there might be more to him Mm. What do you think about this?
0: I'm not excited about it But I think it pays off Adjust enough for me to accept it because the thesis of the last film was Michael Myers is a guy mm. and now Michael Myers is more than a guy.
1: I don't know. He's
0: Mr. Right.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely true. Like, because, you know, Alex and I kind of talked about this on the way home from the movie. She, we, loved, we both loved it, but she definitely mm. was a little bit more like, eh, I didn't need all that supernatural stuff. And I was kind of more thinking, but it's not like this is the law of the film. It's like, mm. this is one person monologuing at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and she's a kind of deranged person, <laughs> Laurie yeah, Strode.
0: She, druid-esque, if you will, Yeah, well.
1: she's, she's gone through a lot and she is monologuing that Michael is more than man, that Michael is evil and that the more he kills, the stronger he gets... She's not, like, a historian. She's not in touch with witchcraft or anything. She's mm. just someone who's trying to explain her fear and explain him something that she can't explain. Um, I don't think we're supposed to take it as gospel. We're just, it's, just, yeah. it's just another colour to add to this movie, that she believes that he is fucking a demon, essentially.
0: Mm. Um he's not just uh this a uh, 6-year-old's mind in in a man's body it is uh the a haunted beast exactly basically.
1: and i think that's kind of interesting that this movie will say will have a cop say look he's just essentially a 6-year-old who's really strong and it'll mm. also have a woman say no he's like pure evil itself mm. um and then we'll have one character say he has a he's obsessed with Laurie Strode and he's making his way towards her and then have another character say he doesn't give a fuck about Laurie Strode. He's yeah. not obs- he probably doesn't even remember her. I think that's cool that this movie is answering some questions and then asking new ones and having contradictory arguments within mm. itself.
0: I actually do really like that it is both simultaneously building the mythology while also taking it down. Mm. I think that I hope that the final film in this trilogy of four films uh, (laughs) does come down on one side or the other. I think it is okay for a middle film to be messy like this, and I do like that, because it's it's developing the themes that will become the thesis for the final film, and... It's an, almost an argument. I think that's what's interesting. This film feels like an argument of opposing sides coming together. And I do hope there is a resolution in the final film which will pay off thematically to one side of the argument. Whether it be mythology or whether it be this is just shit that happens. I find that interesting. And I think it just continues the cinematic language of the original film in a way that I found satisfying. Where... Michael is... the shape. I think that this continues Michael as the shape rather than just Michael Myers, like it's two sides of the character. Michael Myers being like this six-year-old boy that killed his sister and her boyfriend, and then continues to become a deranged killer, and then the shape which is an entity, and... I guess that's what I like about this movie. That's this argument between the two. I think I'm I'm still processing this film as we talk about it because I only just saw it yesterday, and it is like a heck of a watch because it is there. It doesn't have much hang time in it, and it's a lot of really nasty, really grisly kills that to me as well because we get we meet all these characters slightly it almost doesn't have the same satisfaction I feel from seeing like the grisly inventive kills of a slasher, even though this has probably some of the most exciting inventive kills I've ever seen in the entire genre.
1: Oh, yeah, I feel a bit differently. I actually like the fact that we, we don't meet everyone for very long, but we get a real sense of who they are in those few minutes that we do meet them. I think that's a testament to the screenwriters. And... Um, I mean, I'm such a big Danny McBride fan. I think his mm. his writing, I fucking love his writing, and I think mm. he is he's got this really great knack for giving characters a sick, funny introduction that just yes. says it's it's kooky, it's weird. Like there's there's a couple of characters that we meet this um elderly interracial couple, um. And we meet them for like maybe two minutes before he kills them, but yeah. we meet them, and the lady is um flying a drone in her own living room and trying to do drone tricks. That's mm. that's batshit mental, and it yeah. wouldn't be out of place in Eastbound and Down or, or Righteous no All Righteous Gemstones. It's like yeah. a weird, stupid little introduction, and they're arguing about the drone. And then the, the guy takes the drone off her and is like, I'll show you how it's done, sweetheart. And he's trying to do tricks with it and shit. And then they die. And the same with the gay couple, Big John and Little John. They get like a funny introduction where they're like dancing and singing along yeah. to old records
0: And their names are Big John and Little John. They keep calling
1: each other Big John and Little John in full, never just John. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and they own the Myers house, which they have beautifully and tastefully renovated. (laughs) The way they renovated the Myers house and styled it with like the green embellishments of like the bookshelves and cabinets, I think was really beautiful and so tasteful. (laughs) As when we were leaving the cinema, Alex said to me, God, they really did a good job with the Myers house. It looks so cosy. Yeah, like, in the 70s, it looks like shit. It's been abandoned for, like, decades. (laughs) They've done, like, such a beautiful job. Like, there's great wallpaper and stuff. Yeah. And like Alex said, it's so warm and nice. It's inviting. I love Big John, Little John. They're watching freaking Minion Moskowitz on yeah, a Halloween night. They rule, and they're horror heads, but they're watching a John Cassavetti's movie with Jenna Rollins. Yeah, exactly. And Seymour Castle. They're, they're I love them so much.
1: They're the best. Um, but you know, keep in mind also in the 2018 version, we meet we meet a few characters and we get just brief, funny interactions with them. Mm. Like there's the little kid that's being babysat. Um, yeah. Who gets traumatized, and then there's we see him on the news. Yeah. This time love that. And then there's also I don't know if you remember when they when the bus that's left the prison is discovered and it's been turned over and Michael's escaped. Mm. It's discovered by a father and son who've been out hunting in the woods, and the son is this little husky voiced kid, yeah. and his dad's like, uh, "So did you like hunting tonight, son?" And he's like, "Dad, I told you I prefer dancing." Like, I'm fine to come hunting with you, but I missed my dance class tonight. It's like just weird little funny, it's like comedy interactions that are enough to endear you to a person that it upsets you when they die. Yeah, The cops in the first one that are arguing about barn meat, there's so much in it. I'm just Mm. in awe of their screenwriting. I think they're so funny. And I also, I think it's worth noting that pretty much everyone who dies is there's some element of diversity to them that we don't normally see in these types of films. Like it's almost fucking uh, controversial in a way, because I think a lot of modern horror films go out of their way to not kill off diverse people. <laughs> but this one's like, well, the interracial couple die, the gay couple die. the <laughs> Like everyone Everyone is being killed, and it's, I think, it adds to the sadness of it all that you're watching like happy people fucking take a knife to the throat.
0: I would also say my favorite motif in this film is hearkening back to that 1970s original where we see little Michael Myers at that window. Mm. Uh, and the image of little Michael Myers in that clown costume holding the bloody knife. Is weirdly my favourite image of the entire franchise.
1: (laughs) It's borderline cheesy to me, but yeah, I I get you. It's a bit of fun.
0: I think the way they pay homage to it in this film by uh, Jim Cummings saying like, oh, I remember seeing little Michael looking out the window. Mm. And then it kind of becomes a motif of like, was he looking out or was he just looking at his own reflection and seeing nothing reflected back? I think that is probably my favourite if we look at this as, like, the continuation of the legacy sequel, Mm. I think that is my favourite legacy sequel moment in building on the text of the original film.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I loved all that stuff. Um, Yeah, man, it was cool. It was fucking cool.
0: Yeah, I think that I... I think that I appreciate the trajectory that this is now heading and I think I really like this film as well. I think I'm not as hot on it as I was the 2018 version, but I appreciate almost everything about it.
1: Yeah, look, they're not um, perfect movies, but they don't have to be. They're slashes that have the added bonus of being made by an auteur and written by one of the funniest screenwriters of the 21st century. So it's elevated, but it is not perfection. And even... Carpenter's one is not perfection either, but but they're just fun, fucking Mm. fun movies. I mean, I I rewatched a bunch of them recently for my little private uh, Halloween Shocktober viewings, and um, (laughs) you know, even in the 2018 one, I forgot how much I hate the podcast characters. Yeah, and I wish they weren't in it. Mm, <laughs> we could slice it out. I'm like, let's get rid of these cunts. I don't give a fuck about this British guy. Like Yeah, yeah who cares? We don't need them. But um but whatever. Who cares? They're slashes and we want to see people get chopped up sometimes.
0: Exactly. And I'm still very, very interested to see where we head with this. And kind of even more interested now see what the freaking heck David Gordon Green is going to do with the other 70s legacy mm. sequel he has just been announced to do, which we've talked about on our Patreon feed as well, which is The Exorcist. He's doing a sequel to William Friedkin's The Exorcist. Uh, I, I would say The Exorcist is in my top 10 favorite films of all time. And I appreciate David Gordon Green enough to really be excited for whatever he's going to do with it.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting uh, career trajectory this guy's had where he somehow found himself in the position of being the guy to reboot or breathe life back into a 70s horror franchise. But yeah. I'm keen. I'm, I'll watch it. It's He's yeah. a surprising horror fan. You wouldn't really know it from his early filmography, but you can see it in... Particularly Vice Principals. If anyone mm. has not seen Vice Principals, there's a lot of shared DNA between that and the 2018 Halloween film. Yeah, so, some parts even feel like Vice Principals was written as like a beta version of what Halloween ends up wow. being. Um, it's a fantastic fucking series, but yeah, you can see the horror in his in his uh, style. It's just. Hidden beneath all the dick jokes and weed jokes And um, beautiful cinematography yeah, And
0: beauty (laughs) that he finds in humanity
1: Yeah, I think we should move on to our Oscars
0: Let's give some away, babe
1: Let's give out our first Oscar to Best Character Actor Uh, We like to give these awards out to people who we love from cinema We love from film and TV But who very rarely get the chance to hold a statue in their life and uh, I think we should give this Oscar for Best Character Actor to Anthony Michael Hall.
0: I would agree. This is a film littered with character actors. Mm, yeah. There's one movie star in the whole film, basically.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Da- uh, David Gordon Green loves to cast non-actors and kooky mm-hmm. character actors, you know, from Judy Greer to Will Patton yeah. to fucking half the people in this goddamn flick.
0: Like, I would say in my Hall of Fame of character actors, both Will Patton and Judy Greer sit very near that top. Like, they could be in the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. But in this film, I do think Anthony Michael Hall deserves some examination Mm. because he he has a whack career. Like, he starts (laughs) as a humongous movie star as a teenager playing, like, the funny guys in The Breakfast Club and so many like '80s teen classics. Weird then science
1: goes... vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, allegedly the part of Ducky and Pretty in Pink was written for him, but then John Hughes got pissed off at him because he went off and did some other movie. He's yeah. he was like one of the go-to guys. He's a he's a brat packer.
0: Absolutely original brat packer. And then he does SNL.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting era. So. When would that have been? 87 or something, maybe earlier, 85? Mm. It's, um, yeah, post the original cast have left and then the cast after that. Most of them have left. And I think this new EP um, decides, hey, you know what we should do is get movie stars to be in SNL instead of sketch actors and local comedians. (laughs) Let's just get people that have already been in movies. And for some reason, Anthony Michael Hall and Robert Downey Jr., and Randy Quaid are all oh, cast yeah. on SNL in that
0: year. My I th- favorite sketch troupe.
1: Yeah, it's it's mental. There's others as well. I can't remember the exact timeline, but because, um, mm. you know, like Harry Shearer was on it. Yeah, and then later on, it's like Billy Guest Crystal comes and in. And, and, yeah, yeah, Martin Short, Billy Crystal. I think there's not too much crossover there, but, uh, but anyway, he was an SNL cast member for a season, um, and I've heard both him and Robert Downey Jr. talk about it, and... They talk about it with reverence, but they also just kind of say they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, and uh it's uh you know this season sucks. <laughs> essentially. Yeah,
0: <laughs> essentially it's not good. Uh, and then him in this role is such interesting casting because I originally I did hear that there was some flirtation with recasting Paul Rudd as Tommy Doyle once again.
1: Yeah, David Gordon Green approached him about it, and he was busy making your future favourite film, Ghostbusters yeah. Afterlife.
0: God, which I true I have gone on the record saying from the trailers, it looks like it could be the very worst film ever made.
1: But I think it's... um I'm glad it's not Paul Rudd because, you know, we're ignoring the continuity of mm. Halloween curse of Michael Myers. We don't need Paul Rudd to play the character. It yeah, could be anybody. I and I think it's an interesting person to pick, Anthony Michael Hall. I... Love him. I'm a big fan Mm. of those 80s comedies that he's in. And anytime he's popped up in a supporting role in something since, I've always been very happy. He's in Community, plays an antagonist in a couple of episodes Mm. of Community. And I just love the way he looks now. I love that he's like this... He's like bigger and he's hulking and he kind of looks scary and his voice has changed and he's got those intense eyes... I just, I could watch him forever. I was so stoked by how big his part
0: was in this movie. I think the cleverest part of the casting is, you know, he has been a movie star. Movie stars do bring cultural baggage to films. And I think him bringing the baggage of someone that used to be a goofy kid Mm. and then now is kind of like a scary, big, menacing guy Mm. is perfect for this character of Tommy Doyle's evolution.
1: Totally, totally. Um... He's great. I'm such a fucking fan. I I hope he's in more. I hope movies. I hope he's in the more Halloween movies yeah. and more other movies.
0: I hope he plays the warlock in season of the witch when they <laughs> eventually get to that again.
1: <laughs> yeah, big fan of Anthony Michael Hall. Um, I used to love Weird Science the movie, which is fantastic in oh,
0: boy. i rewatched it recently I, it's one it's <laughs> truly a reprehensible film camera it's really bad even saying <laughs> that you used to like it i think is a is a red flag you're putting out it no the world.
1: it's not because like you love shit when you're young and you don't really yeah, know true. what it's about you're like oh these boys made a magic woman and she can do magic things and cool awesome but yeah obviously when you look back on it from today's lens it's a bit of a fucking stink fest and it's kind of gross and shitty but (laughs) i never
0: saw it until like two years ago go whoa this is one of the worst movies i've ever seen yeah it
1: sucks ass but um but he's good i have Mm. no problem with him and i'm a big vacation fan too so
0: yeah of course you love going on holiday
1: i love to go on a holiday (laughs) to wally world with anthony michael hall Let's move on to our next Oscar. This is a very rare one. Okay, so Mm -hmm. we like to give out a secondary award to something very specific to the film, and I feel very honoured and privileged that you and I are the people to give this award out. I think
0: it's a shagadelic honour.
1: It's a very shagadelic honour. We'd like to give out the Oscar to the only actor to be killed on screen. By both Michael Myers and Mike Myers. And this Oscar goes to Michael McDonald, who plays either Big John or Little John. I can't remember. Let me look it up. He
0: plays Little John because he's the tall of the actors. So I think there's a gag in there somewhere that's (laughs) cute between the couple that we are not privileged to understanding. (laughs) And of course, he plays a henchman in Austin Powers who gets absolutely steamrolled (laughs) by Little Austin Powers (laughs) It's one of the uh, funniest sequences in Austin Powers And
1: that's a movie Freaking busting at the brim with funny sequences But watching Michael McDonald as the unnamed henchman um, Scream (laughs) from 10 metres away as As Mike Myers is slowly coming towards him on a steamroller Begging him to move away <laughs> it's, it's one of the funniest moments in yeah. that in that movie Which is so iconic Oh god, it's so good And he's, his face is like burnt into my brain Anytime he pops mm-hmm. up in anything uh, All I see is the henchman So I was very yeah. happy to see him in this movie And get to, and get, to get killed again by a as different Michael he
0: gets that freaking... St- <laughs> Stabby sunk into him I was so happy Just going oh, He's been killed by both <laughs> It made me like Kind of beam with joy Seeing it happen I I'm Like oh it's happened Also
1: I haven't seen anyone post about this So maybe we're the first people to draw that connection
0: We're breaking story here today Yeah this is uh,
1: This is a scoop Michael yeah. McDonald First actor to be killed by both Michael Myers And Mike Myers And I would never have
0: picked it would be him no. I never picked it would be him. <laughs> I was thinking maybe John Lithgow or something, you know? But,
1: you know, like, I don't think... Has Mike Myers killed many people on screen?
0: On screen? Not sure. <laughs> I, I can look it up. I think on screen he's killed a few, a handful. But uh, this is one of his most notable kills, probably. <laughs> definitely definitely like probably his most famous kill. <laughs> yeah
1: definitely so congratulations michael mcdonald for your oscar you deserved it yeah and now congratulations. and now we're up to our closing segment on this podcast the total reboot segment normally we would pick apart the movie and then figure out what we would do if we get a chance mm-hmm. to reboot it but as we explained at the top of this episode This fucking goddamn franchise has been rebooted and restarted and rerooted a million times. Yeah, we don't need to. I don't want to fuck around with it. I don't know how. It's too complicated.
0: They've they've officially tried everything.
1: They have. (laughs) They turned it into a reality TV show. You know, it's done. (laughs) Um. So I think maybe as a change of pace, why don't we talk about something that we would improve or change Mm. in this film?
0: I have one idea that came to me immediately, was if Paul Rudd's not coming back as Tommy Doyle, Mm. if you still want to honour the alternate timelines in some way, I would say there is one scene at the very climax of this film where there is a circle beatdown of Michael Myers, where he's getting the smackdown on him. He is meeting his perhaps end. I think... Buster Rhymes should have been in that beatdown circle. <laughs> I think that should have been the cameo that they brought back. Because they've got people from the original movie. If they're bringing back from an alternate timeline anyone, it should be Buster coming in and fucking kicking him in the nuts and smacking him in the face. That should have been it. I f-
1: I'm f- oh, that's so good. That's so good. I'd love that. I'm a big Buster fan. Not so yeah. much his music, more his acting.
0: We love his acting. I love
1: his acting in that one movie I've seen him in and in the film clips with Mariah Carey, where he yeah. shows immense chemistry.
0: I love him in Def Jam Fight for New York, the video game where you play as rappers fighting each other. <laughs> He's really good in it. I'm... He plays Snoop Dogg, who is the lead antagonist's henchman. <laughs> oh, great. I, lo- I actually do
1: love Buster, and I love his music. Yeah. Um, and I, I love his music too. And I would love it if he uh, did
0: pop up in this it would have been so good if he just comes <laughs> in and kicks Michael in the nuts. When we were watching that uh, made perfect,
1: when we are watching Resurrection, at the end of the movie, he does this like monologue to the news cameras, where because yeah. they're like he's a survivor. Spoiler alert! Yeah. But Buster Rhymes is the final girl of um, Halloween yeah.
0: Resurrection. <laughs> he is the final girl of the one timeline <laughs> of Halloween,
1: and uh, and he like leaves the house, and there's news cameras there, and they go, "What happened in there?" and he grabs the camera and talks to it like it's a wrestling like um like vince mcmahon threatening the undertaker (laughs) something and he's like i fucking smoked that fool or whatever the fuck he says and um as he was doing that um i was sitting on the lounge with the missus and she like turned to me and she went that's a movie star (laughs) (laughs) the charisma that he had in that moment it just overwhelmed her and it overwhelmed yeah. me too. I was like, wow, I can't believe we didn't get more Buster on our silver screen. I mean, we got Ladies Love. Why not yeah, more the Buster? the Ladies
0: Love, Cool James, but they got Buster not to Buster Arms.
1: <laughs> so, David Gordon Green, if you're listening, and I assume you are, please bring mm-hmm. him back
0: for... Get Buster back, please. Halloween ends. It would also be awesome in Halloween ends if like, they take the mask off and, like, throw it somewhere, and then Buster finds it and picks it up and puts it on. And that's, like, the next Halloween franchise. (laughs) That actually would be really cool, too.
1: The Buster Rhymes tour bus is going through Haddonfield.
0: (laughs) It's actually him. Yeah, it's him. It's actually Buster. Playing himself,
1: and the mask flies into an open window and
0: lands on his lap. He was just coming to that open mic and, like, to test new material on All Hallows' (laughs) Eve. Well, we're at the end of Scream Ages.
1: How do you feel? Yeah, it's been.
0: I feel really good. I loved going through these movies. We talked about some movies I really care about and shined a light on them. I think it's been fascinating analyzing teen horror movies with both the teen in capitals and the horror in capitals. And I think I'm very happy that we got back to Haddonfield at some point because Mm. it really is the franchise that kicked off teen horror in a very significant way. And seeing that franchise evolve now with David Gordon Green about being inherited trauma is something that I think a lot of people have to deal with as teenagers. Um, so I'm very, very pleased with the shape this miniseries took.
1: Me too. I had a lot of fun. It was a really good time to revisit these movies as well and see some for the first time. Um, I've had my eyes open to some films that I rejected based purely on the poster Mm. or DVD cover.
0: Yes, once upon a time your eyes would have popped out of your head at the sight of Jennifer's body, but you took a little moment to get to see her mind and personality as well during this (laughs) miniseries. That's true.
1: And I'm glad we ended on Halloween Kills. I, I really had a fucking blast with that. And I'm looking forward to the future ones, which are apparently set in a COVID world. Post-lockdown. What? They're Is that real? They're jumping forward four years.
0: All right. I take everything back. I'm not looking forward to that movie. <laughs> <really. laughs> I don't like it.
1: Oh, they got to. They got to keep it present. They're jumping forward to 2021 or 2022. So not wow, only will will be wearing the mask, but everyone else will be wearing a
0: mask too. <sighs> That's awesome. Okay, I'm back in. <laughs> I'm absolutely back in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up on the podcast, Cameron, we've got a very exciting mini series that kind of popped up because we had a little three-week gap, and we thought of something very exciting that could fill it.
1: For anyone who's listened to this show before, you'll know that Alexi and I are no stranger to the films of Happy Madison, which is a wonderful production company that operates out of Los Angeles, California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe, on the Sony lot. And yeah. they have made fantastic films over the years, such as Grandma's Boy. Yeah. and
0: The Wrong Missy. The Wrong
1: Missy. And the one where the Park Rangers, I think, they made that one too. And
0: Yeah, not sure. Also, they made Hubie Halloween, which is almost identical plot to Halloween Kills at certain points. No,
1: very true. Uh, we've decided to dive into three iconic films in the Happy Madison universe, and uh, I'm very excited about them because they're kind of like the modern uh, Bogart and Bacall
0: films. We're looking at a loosely connected trilogy of romantic comedies starring two of, in my opinion, and your shared opinion, greatest romantic comedy leads of all time. We're looking at the Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore romantic comedy trilogy of The Wedding Singer, Fifty First States Dates, and Blended.
1: And, I mean, I've put it out there a few times before that uh, The Wedding Singer is a top five movie for me. I love it. Um, I can watch it anytime. I'm a big Glenn guy. He's a big style inspiration for me.
0: Yeah, you adore Glenn <laughs> The only guy who watches The Wedding Singer and is like,
1: ah, oh, I like that Glenn guy.
0: I like the cut of that
1: Glengulia's jib. Um, and 51st uh, Dates, I've only seen once, I think.
0: Uh, Blended, never seen it. Never seen Blended. And I would say 51st Dates, the way that you feel about The Wedding Singer, is how me, Alexi Toliopoulos, feels about 51st Dates. Oh I my God. Really loved that movie. I've seen it countless times in my life. I've owned it on every format from VHS to (laughs) (laughs) Blu-ray.
1: So that's going to be exciting. We'll be looking at uh, The Sandman and Drew as they play lovers across different decades and time periods and we'll see how they find a way to make that chemistry fresh every single time.
0: Yeah. And Cameron and I, we both absolutely love rom-coms. So it is a first for us in a little while. I mean, last year we did... Um, uh, You've Got Mail which is another one of my favourite films but I'm very excited to finally talk Sandman with you it has been a long time coming hell
1: yeah and we've got some great guest lineup up for that as well some big Podcast guests, comedy guests, so that's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Cameron, it is always a pleasure to discuss film with you, both here and on the Patreon feed over at patreon.com slash reboot. Sign up for just five bucks a month to get weekly episodes where we do everything in regards to discussing film. Recently, we've been re-releasing some old blank slate episodes from almost half a decade ago Mm. uh, when we first started podcasting, re-releasing some of our favorite movie chats from Days gone by
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun And we have the uh, Facebook group as well Which you can join And talk to us about movies And TV And all sorts of other bullshit There's a lot of fun in-jokes going on over there Which is a blast um, If you want to talk to Alexi and I privately You can talk to us on social media I'm on Instagram At I am Cameron James, And you're on everything At This is Alexi.
0: Mm -hmm. That's correct So talk to us there In the meantime babies Enjoy cinema And enjoy the beautiful works Of Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore